Welcome to Get in the Ring with DJ D Coops and B Smut on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. The Social Suplex Podcasting Network. We have our own feed. You can find us on Get in the Ring on iTunes, Spotify, all that great podcast stuff. Google Podcasts, Spreaker. Um, what else is there? Um, um, Stitcher. The, all those great podcasting platforms. Yeah, you can find us on that. On the Social Suplex feed or on the Get in the Ring feed. With us. Hey, how's everyone doing? Um, yeah, so it's obviously hey, expansion. Expansion is a beautiful thing. So it's it's very it's awesome that we've been able to take what we started a few years ago, and it's continuing to evolve. It's continuing to progress, and more successes come, hopefully to come. Yes, it is hopefully more success to come, but we have to start with some sad, sad, incredibly tragic news in the world of the NBA, um, in the world of sports, in the world of life, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven other souls lost in that helicopter bass crash in Calabasas, California, on Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, it basically made the world stand still, and the world is, I think, just now, kind of starting to get back to normal. I would say. Yeah. And most uh, most NBA teams have kind of done their tributes. Most people in the media, most of uh, people that knew Kobe and knew everyone else for that matter, have uh, kind of. Are kind of starting to get back to some sort of normalcy. I, I, I'm guessing, yeah, most people have done their. Uh, for example, I love the Spurs and Raptors tribute. They were the first to do this. They were the first to do the tw- the dual 24 seconds uh, shot clock violations to start the game. Obviously, 24 being Kobe's second number uh, in the NBA during his 20 year career. And there and were Trae other instances. Yeah, the Trey Young tributes. Uh, many players have worn. Um, 24 or 8 on their sneakers. Uh, some players have now changed. 8-second violations. Yeah, the 8-second violations. People have done the, some teams have done the 8-8 eight eight second violations because that was Kobe's first number. Uh, people have done the 24 and 8. Uh, Philadelphia had the, the Sixers game against the um, a couple days ago. They had the 9 spotlights on the court plus the uh, Lower Marion jersey. That was Kobe's uh, high school number, 33. When he played in Lower Marion, uh, which is just outside the city, for those who don't know about it. Yeah, for, for it, it's right outside where I am. Um, 
I live in Lower Marion Township. Um, I live in okay. Bryn Mawr. Um, yeah, you, you actually shared a picture. Um, uh, about the scene you. was incredibly solemn. Um, I shared a picture on my Instagram. You can follow me at DJ D Kooks. No, not DJ D Kooks. D Kooky Punk 43. D K O K Y Punk 43. Um, a picture of Kobe and his daughter, of course, and the and the uh, memorial outside his gymnasium um, at Lower Marion High School. Um, it was a very solemn scene. There was about 20, 25 people there on Monday. Um, I went on Monday, um, sent our father in a Hail Mary. Um, mm-hmm. God bless Gianna and Kobe. Rest in peace. It, it was surreal just standing there. Yeah, I can imagine. I saw the, and we saw the aftermath at Staples Center where there was, Kings. there were pounds. And I love what the Kings, the Kings did. I thought that was great. I mean, that was the first uh, event that happened after. I mean, the Grammys. It was also what the Grammys did. Like, Alicia Keys and Boys to Men, uh, they did their performance, which I thought was great. Saying it was so hard to say goodbye. Singing it was so hard to say goodbye. Which I thought was great. And then the Kings is the first athletic event since the passing, uh, since the helicopter crash. Uh, with, with the eight and, and the Lakers are playing tonight. The Lakers are playing. Yeah, obviously that's going to be a major event. They just practiced yesterday, and they're going to be playing tonight. That's at um, as NBA players are showing their love. I love what TNT did with the um everyone that, uh, with uh the, the crew plus some players that played with Kobe and against uh against him on Tuesday night instead of the Lakers Clippers game, which got called which got called off. I thought that was great. Uh, the Clippers with eight twenty four warm up jerseys. I'm watching the video as we speak. Uh, before their game, so uh, that was a it's it's a really nice touch. The Clippers are playing tonight at 10:30, so they're going to be actually uh, at Staples. So they're going to kind of they're going to have something special uh, planned for Kobe, I'm sure. But yeah, it, it's been basically it's been world spread. Everybody who's um, everyone's kind of paid their respects in some sort of way, kind of shared some pictures and some memories, things like that. I was in the building for uh, Kobe's last couple games at Wells Fargo Center, especially the last one. And the last one was a love fest. It was so much love. Sixer fans, Laker fans, basketball fans in general, quite honestly. Uh, whenever Kobe touched the ball, it was a loud ovation. He got a huge roar. It, that building was incredibly loud uh, for Wells Fargo Center when Kobe, uh, his last game, uh, whenever he scored a basket, it was a big deal. Like the, like the crowd went nuts. It was a special evening. And he has to be replayed on Tuesday night after the Connecticut women's yes game, the uh, last Kobe uh, Bryant game against when he gave 60 Utah. When, when he dropped uh, sixty on Utah in, in his last game, right? I remember watching that as it happened. That was just, that was a special game, even then. Um, yeah, so the, the Lakers are going to actually be on ESPN tomorrow night against Portland. That's actually a good game, n- number one, because you got some all-stars, and obviously LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Damian Lillard. And now it's the all-stars, which we'll the, get to. And B, it's the first Laker home game since the passing, so obviously it's, it hits the Lakers harder than everyone else. Um, we've seen the Mavericks. Uh, Mark Cuban's tribute is uh, retiring number 24 uh, permanently. From the Dallas Mavericks, so which we've seen this happen before. Number thirteen in Miami, and uh, twenty-three in Miami got retired, obviously since, uh, in honor of Michael Jordan. So we've seen this before that a team will retire a number 
That's got nothing to do with a player that actually played on their team. So, and some players have changed their, their jersey numbers. I mentioned Spencer Dimwitter before, changed to 26. And, they're, they're, um, for example, uh, I saw Alex Ovechkin uh, wear 24. He wears number eight normally in, in hockey for the Capitals. He wore 24 in warm-ups, and then he's going to auction the jersey uh, later on, which I thought was a really nice tribute for Co- uh, to Kobe. It's been that kind of week. And I think it is a probably, I would imagine. The funeral week, it's going to be. Oh. It's going to be sick. That's going to be rough for a lot of people. And what what makes it what makes this worse? We didn't get a chance to hear the Hall of Fame speech. This year would have been the greatest NBA Hall of Fame class we've ever seen, with Kobe, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett. We're talking eleven and, rings. And we already know Kobe's going in because no, they Kobe, no, made that announcement right them away. First ballots. Yeah, all, all three of them were. were we, we knew that that was going to happen. They, all three, they Kobe, made Duncan. that announcement. The basketball Hall of Fame made that announcement like. Right after he died, like yeah, now because we knew it, it's that's yeah, so and that's it's a shame that his is going to be a post mortem. And people know me as a Spurs fan, all the battles that the Spurs and Lakers had, especially in the early 2000s, uh, with uh, with Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers, and then Duncan and Parker and Ginobili when it, when this when the latter three were on the come up, and Shaq was unstoppable, and Kobe was on the come up, and how special those games were. So that, those were must-see uh, games. And obviously, he was a rival, but a guy I ha- obviously had to respect so much. And I absolutely do plan on, on trying to go. I'll try to go to the Hall of Fame in Springfield. Um, I was going to go especially to try to, to for Duncan because he's my favorite player in NBA, uh, NBA history. My favorite is Tim Duncan. But that's going to be emotional to uh, see everything that's going to happen with Kobe. And he obviously would have gone last. And I would have been okay with him going last as opposed to Duncan because Kobe's impact is greater than just basketball. It's not just ball. Like, Kobe's impact is everywhere. You notice him with everywhere. He's as mainstream as it gets. And it's a shame he probably won't go last because of this. But it's going to be another way to honor him once he gets – once he truly gets inducted. It's just a shame he won't be able to induct it himself. Right. It, Even worse, his daughter Gia could ball. That's the yeah, other part about this. When Gia apparently was going to go to Connecticut, and she could hoop. They were on their way to a mom, to the Mamba uh, basketball tournament, uh, basketball games. It was why they were in the helicopter in the first place. And she could hoop. And that's going to that's gonna suck. That's the other part that really sucks about this. And the fact that she was only 13, and Kobe was like, just wait you see her. Like she was gonna, she was gonna ball out apparently, and and, like and he was bragging. He was bragging about her. He he was. Everyone was like, Kobe should have a boy. Kobe should have a boy. And like she was like, Nah, I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna carry on the legacy. I got this. I got this. <laughs> Kobe was like, Kobe was like, just, Kobe was like, just wait, wait till you see Gia. She can hoop. And it looked like she actually could. Connecticut. It looked like apparently she was gonna go to Connecticut in. They they had the um tribute um, for her uh, at the at their previous game, which I thought was a really nice look. Yeah, so right, so that's that's what makes this just as rough. Obviously, our condolences to the other seven as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. but the Kobe and Gia's passing has uh has really hit everyone hard. And whether they're Laker fans, basketball fans in general, rival basketball fans, I know the Celtics did a tribute for Kobe tonight. It, it, it's it's rough. It's rough for everybody. Uh, to deal with, and it kind of puts a damper on a damper on Super Bowl week in the most extreme of ways, but it, it's rough for everybody. 
So we will review the week that was in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with some of the news items. Um, just breaking. Um, World Wrestling Entertainment not doing so hot in the stocks. No. Um, after our stocks is at forty-eight thirty-eight. Um, dropping at a low of at 22.64%. Um, George Barrios and um, Michelle Wilson are out leaving WWE. Variety had the story here. Um, Vince commented on the story saying, saying, McMahon said the shakeup was, was sparked by conflicting strategic visions for the company. Hmm. It's bold that it happened, what, two hours ago. So that that's what makes this rather bold. And yeah, Frank, no, a. Riddick, Frank A. Riddick, who's been a WWE board member for 11 years, has been named Chief Interim Financial Officer and, and will be reporting to WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. And there'll be... In search, beginning a search for chief financial officer and chief revenue officer, which were Barrios and Wilson's roles. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. McMahon said the shakeup was sparked by conflicting strategic visions for the company. WWE has seen its shock stock price fall sharply in the recent months amid concerns about soft ratings for its flagship TV shows, and rising competition from an upstart wrestling organizations like All Elite Wrestling. Um, Which AEW, I believe, has another 100,000 people more than WWE did. I saw it like 110,000 this week. Um, like AEW, I think at 831,000, the WWE 721 or something like that. What was the demo number? No, no, that was, um, I didn't see the demo. The demo number matters more. The demo number matters more. In case of TV rankings. I can look that up for, uh... The demo number. The the 18 to 30, to 18 to 49 demo number matters more in terms of... I know you don't know this because you don't. You're not an expert on TV ratings. I'm not. I'm not. And I don't expect you to be. I'm not. I'm not big time into, into that. that. That is true. I'm but not crazy. the 18 to 49 demo is what the ranking the is based on. Not the total scores. Uh, looks like this week. Uh. I can look. It looks like they have. It looks like I I got something here. AW tops, despite drawing the worst viewership so far this year. Uh, let's see. This is as of okay. Yeah, this this is up to date. <laughs> this is as of, this is on Wrestling Inc. So it looks like I found something here. Once they've done in my episodes, eight hundred twenty-eight thousand to NXT seven twelve at sixteen percent. AW was third in the cable top one fifty. Uh, yeah, this is what you this is what you're thinking of. AEW ranked third on Cable's top 150 for the 18 to 49 demo, uh, while NXT yep. was 37. AEW was 35th in the uh, viewership, while NXT was 41st, and that's tied for the Daily Show. NXT did. Right. La- last week, Dynamite was 871,000, which was eighth in the Cable top 150 and 40th, as opposed to NXT was 769 and 35th in the uh, top 
150th and 42nd in viewership. So that's what you're that's what you're thinking of. 0.34 to 0.22. Yes, that, and that's that's the other part of this. Uh, the, the 0.34 rating for AEW and the 0.22 for NXT. Yes, and point, the, those are the numbers that do matter. And um, it, which was a little, which was slightly down from the previous week, which was 0.35 for AEW and WWE's was slightly down to about 0.24. So both shows okay. were slightly down. And some interesting business news out of Japan. Um, um, here's the big, um, the biggest story concerns the state of pro wrestling mode now under new management as a subsidiary of Cyber Agent Incorporated with, with the news first reported by Tokyo Sports. Just last year, 75% of the company has been sold to El Lidit from Etsby. Lidit litigated Cyber Agent has acquired 100% ownership of NOAA. Cyber Agent is a blah, 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 blah. Cyber Agent purchased another wrestling company by the, by the name of DDT, mm. uh, which is another major wrestling company in Japan. Um, a press release was issued in regarding to the cyber acquisition of by cyber agent with the following from Sanchiro Takagi. DDT Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Now will be working together under Cyber Agent Inc. going forward. By partnering by the same cyber agent group, I believe we will be able to bring about a new scenery in the pro wrestling industry. Going forward, the two promotions will be sharing a, a certain a mid-back office functions as companies within the same office group. I, Sincere Takagi, will be assuming the position as both president of companies, but at Pro Wrestling Noah, I will focus on managing the company and will leave the in-ring completely to the talent of staff of, of and staff of at Pro Wrestling Noah, so you won't be doing any in-ring. Mm. Pro Wrestling will continue to be fun and in, fun, exciting, and absurd, dramatic stories to the fans. We hope you'll be um, continuing your support for both promotions. Um, DDT Pro English hand, handle translated um, the Wednesday's press conference. Um, um, Takagi will be president of DDT and Noah, while Naomichi Marufuji is the executive vice president of Noah, um, longtime um, wrestler of, of Noah. Takagi is designated to work on the business and leave a creative day to day to Marufuji and former Noah president Hiro Takeda. It was Takagi who got the ball rolling after Noah's finances were hit and, and, and approached Susumu Fujita about saving with Takagi and Takeda beginning to speak in November. Um, Noah's relation with Widat, the previous owners, will continue with the group staying on as a corporate sponsor. Noah will be running a free show on Thursday with on DDT Universe, which is their streaming service on the first time. And Noah will be linked to a streaming service on several shows 
airing on YouTube over the past year. The plan is for DDT Universe to carry one to two Noah shows per month. They've already added a Noah section to their service. They also announced that DDT and Noah will be running back-to-back nights at Sumo Hall mm, on, okay. on November 21st and 22nd. Noah will still be pre- featured on Samurai TV and G Plus, and will be starting. Will still be start streaming on Abima TV in February. So that was the big news out of Japan, and this sort of ruins WWE's plans for NXT Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Counter Strike. Well played. By both promotes to, to collabo and kind of shut that down. Well played, Counter Strike. Impressed. Because WWE's only player now in that because Dragon Gate won't budge in that. Um, New Japan's not an option. Nope. Yep. Um, it's Big Japan. <laughs> Oof. That doesn't sound like it's a good idea. No, a deathmatch or a deathmatch organization. And considering that WWE still very PG, that's not gonna fly over uh, with WWE and trying nope. to influence some of the kids to watch this. So they, they got to fall back and and kind of just revise their strategy and do something different. Clearly, yep. Yep. So that's, that's the business angle. The this Q4 week. and end of year and calls next week for for um WWE um by the way. For the uh, George Barrios, Michelle Wilson. McMahon said, back to the Barrios. <laughs> Sorry, I got sidetracked. Um, I would like to thank George and Michelle for their 10 plus year service and their contributions to the organization. I am grateful for all that was accomplished during their tenure, but the board and I decided a change was necessary as we have different views on on how best to achieve our strategic priorities going forward. Mm. A variety analysis in July 2019 found that ratings for WWE's two main shows, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live, has fallen around 20% compared to the beginning of 2018, which, which I'm looking at Brandon's analysis, and that's accurate because he has an industry report okay for tv ratings and that's pretty accurate too um so he's in tune I, with like the nelson ratings and and on the and all the russell economics yeah right he's in tune uh, um i didn't get to look at his whole report but i think that would be accurate smackdown moved to friday nights on fox in october 2019 beginning the five-year you know, the $1 billion no, deal. Yeah, $1 plus billion, dollars, right, right. Um, the first Fox show... Um, the show doubled its audience in the um, adults 18 to 49. Mm-hmm. Nielsen same-day ratings, blah, 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 airing on the USA Network. That first Fox show had its special appearance from Dwayne The Rock Johnson and a championship match between Gobi Kingston and, and Brock Lesnar. Since then, the show's rating, ratings 
have fallen in line to where they were on cable. The most recent episode earning a 0.7 rating and 2.5 million viewers over its two-hour broadcast. Now, yeah, that was to be expected that the first uh, show, the premiere on Fox, was going to draw heavy numbers because, of course, WWE was going to go big. They were going to go heavy, as heavy as they possibly could. They're going to say, hey, this is SmackDown, this is Fox. We're going to make this preview as, uh, premiere as big as it gets. We're getting The Rock, who's arguably the most mainstream star we've ever seen. Uh, you, you could argue him, you could argue Hogan, but you could, but Rock's maybe the most mainstream guy we've ever seen work for the company. Plus, a championship match with the most mainstream current guy, Brock Lesnar. So, of course, they were going to have a signature. They are going to make that one big. And then everyone, everything else is going to fall. Another analysis conducted at the beginning of January found that AEW's Wednesday night show, Dynamite, also enjoys a solid ratings edge over NXT in live, same day, and delayed viewing. Mm-hmm. So, there... And that that's been consistent too. That's been very consistent. Uh, yes. Pretty much every, almost every week. Um, that both show both shows have run legitimate shows, as opposed to like clip shows or whatever. AEW is pretty much one every week. So that, that's been a major. Uh, WWE is going to have to do some things to kind of switch that up. But I think at least with NXT, it's there. It's fixable. <laughs> Raw and SmackDown is going to have some work to do, but it's fixable at the very least with AEW. Uh, with AEW and NXT. Um, so, um, SmackDown. So SmackDown was the go-home show, uh, before, they had the go-home show before the Royal Rumble, and they, it wasn't too bad. Uh, To me, like, SmackDown wasn't so bad, as opposed to the, uh, leading into the Rumble, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was all that bad here. So here's how, here's how it went down. It started with Roman and Uso, Roman and the Usos versus King Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. Now it was Jay Uso uh, starting it out, and actually Jimmy Uso got hurt. Uh, going, he got kind of shoved into the steel steps by Ziggler and got hurt and taken back. And Corbin and his crew did a very good job of kind of working the three-on-two hook and keeping both Jimmy Uso, uh, both Jay Uso and Roman Reigns isolated from each other, which I thought was good. And it took uh, Jay Uso. Jimmy Uso had to return to kind of even the playing field, but even then it was still three on two because of what happened with his brother Jay. Roman and Corbin ended up fighting into the in the backstage into the crowd area, a prelude obviously to what happened later on in the week. And the Usos ended up beating uh, Ziggler and Rude in what turned into a normal tag match. So it's a decent, a pretty good start to the show, I will say. Uh, let's see. Cole interviewed Lacey Evans, and I can understand the emotional angle they were going here. A little bit sappy for me, but I understood why they went this route with Lacey Evans giving giving Lacey Evans emotional questions for her to just be naturally emotional. Which I think she was absolutely sincere. I'm not saying there were crocodile tears. I think she was 100 sincere. But I think they, they I just they, don't believe I'm, her as a legitimate babyface. She's better as a heel. She is certainly better as a heel. I am not. I'm not. I'm not gonna disagree at all. She's absolutely better as they, a heel. They just need to reverse the fucking roles. Bailey is much better as Bailey's kind of believable as a face, but I think Bailey is much better. Uh, be, be, um, believable as a heel, but absolutely believable as a face. Bailey's Bailey's just a natural face, and uh, Lacey, I think, is a natural heel. 
But um, so this turned into a massive brawl between the two, uh, Bailey and Lacey, as they headed into the showdown at the Royal Rumble. And this match, this brawl, it was effective, and it continued. It kept going. It went um, all the way over around the arena, and it lasted even through what would have been um, Fire and Desire versus Nikki and Miss Bliss. And the, so that match never happened, and that turned into a six-woman brawl. So there was no match. I think they made the title match for SmackDown. Thank God. Very, very effective, yeah. So there, there was no Otis uh, involvement on SmackDown. There was a lot of involvement in the Royal Rumble. We'll talk about that. We'll later. get to that. <laughs> Let's see. So Braun and Elias versus Shinsuke and Cesaro. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty, a decent match. Nothing too special here. Really, uh, once Strowman got the hot tag, it, we, we knew the match was effectively over. Strowman basically cleaned house, did his thing. He hit the power slam on Cesaro, and Elias hit his elbow drop for the pin. It was all right. Nothing special. You didn't really miss too much here. Morrison and Kofi Kingston. This match was good. This match was very entertaining. I'm glad this was the last match of the, of the show. This was a good match. And both guys who are incredibly athletic, they, they pretty much are in each other's peer group. This was fun to watch. You saw both dudes do their thing uh, all, all the way through the match. It closed with Kofi hitting the trouble in paradise on Miz. Morrison ended up catching him from behind and hitting with Starship Pain to finish. But this was a good match. Uh, this was a good match between the two. Very happy this was the last one before the Rumble. <clears throat> and the last okay. piece of business was the contract signing with Daniel and Bray. And I, I like that they kind of tied in Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family and then turning on the Wyatt family. I like how they kind of tied that into this. Uh, I thought that was a good way to, to go about this. And then The Fiend would eventually come out and attack Daniel Bryan and eventually hit him with the sister Abigail and the Mandible Claw and then sign the contract willingly in his own blood, which I thought was very creepy, but that's what The Fiend is supposed to do. So I thought it was an effective way to finish the show and an effective way to set up their strap match of the Royal Rumble. And also The Fiend using the strap effectively as we get into the match itself. Uh, Very effective there. I was cool with that. So good job. Uh, so SmackDown, I think, ended well and started well. Started well with a good six minute and ended well with this last two segments, I would say. There was another pay-per-view on Friday night. NWA, Hard Times. Mm. Um, a lot of people saw this was happening, and I, I decided to check it out because I, um, I was a curious man. So okay. the question mark... Versus Trevor Murdoch in the TV title tournament match. These had the 6.05 time limit except for the final. Um, these were all quarterfinal matches. Um, Trevor Murdoch defeats the question mark in 3.10. Um, Murdoch hit a top rope bulldog for the win. Um, fine opener with the tracking was the result here. Damn Defeat Ziggy Dice, um, a spear, cannonball, and senton for the win. Um, Ricky Starks defeats Matt Cross. Um, Matt Cross hit, hit, misses a shooting star press. Um, um, and then Starks hits a Buster Keaton, and that's all. Um, so, Tim Storton arrives, and then... Ricky Starks beats Matt Cross in a good three-star match. Good little match. Um, it was about four minutes. Um, so Tim Storm arrives, and it's announced that Anderson, Ken Anderson, will not compete tonight. Storm praises the NWA 
fan, family of fans, says he hates that Anderson and isn't here to compete. He doesn't want the easy pant, but he, if he gets the body, he'll take it. His goal is to get make Mountain proud that he'll win the title, TV title. And Tim Storm defeats Ken Anderson via forfeit. So, Stu Bennett, thanks to the venue for being a great host. At the next pay-per-view in April will take place, the Crockett Cup will take place at a bigger venue. Then it was the Rock and Roll Express, Wild Cards, and Eli Drake and Tim Storm. Not Tim Storm, James Storm. There's many storms in this company. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that. So Robert Gibson pulls Camille out um, and hits um, Drake with the gravy train on Morton. And we have new champions. And Drake, Eli Drake hits the gravy train on Morton. And we have new champions. Um, Eli Drake and James Storm defeat the Rock and Roll Express, the champions, and the wild cards. The title change was expected, but not with Drake and Storm. I expected the wild cards to win this match. Okay. Um, but the NWA women's title match. This was really good. Okay. Um, despite some rough edges, they had a hot crowd. This Thunder Rose versus Allison K. Um, really good counter striking. Um, and really good high spots with a hot closing stretch. I really enjoyed this match. I gave this match four stars. Okay. Really good stuff. I say go back and watch this match because um, Thunder Rosa is really good. Um, this st- stands out to me. Um, Thunder Rosa would hit the Thunder Driver for the win um, in seventeen twenty. Um, four stars. Melina and Marty arrive and celebrate with Rosa. And then Marty Skrull, as we as we know, Marty Skrull arrived at the last NWA pay per view, and and challenged Nick Aldis, but but Aldis is facing Flip Gordon here. Um, at this pay per view, he says he's here because he wants his shot at Sweet Charlotte, and all of this keeps ducking him. <laughs> What's he afraid of? If he's already beaten him. He will keep coming for him until he gets a shot. Also, Nick is afraid to keep defend against Flip. He, he talked his big game. So, and the people want to see an NWA defense. Title of defense. Nick arrives and Marty tries to talk him into a title match. He basically tries to bait, bait Nick Aldis into a title match against Flip Gordon. Um, Nick makes everywhere he goes a hot ticket, tells him already to shut up, and he will defend against Flip tonight if Flip wins. But if Nick wins, all their business, all their business is on their terms. Marty has to leave the building for Flip if to get his title shot. Marty agrees to leave. So Marty left the building to get a title shot. Essentially. To get a title shot for what? Essentially. 
Um, TV title tournament semifinal. Um, Trevor Murdoch defeats De- Damoff. Um, t- Bulldog connects. Good three minute match. Hard hitting. Ricky Starks defeats Tim Storm in 455 with the crucifix. Um, really good stuff here. Um, pretty good. Um, um, but Starks was the right call here. NWA National Champion Shooter Aaron Stevens versus Scott Steiner. <laughs> That's a match I never thought I would actually see. Damian, the former Damian Sandow versus Scott Steiner. Yep. Steiner hits the flatliner, Steiner recliner until the question mark arrives for the DQ. So this ends in the DQ, and Steven runs as Steiner beats beats down the question mark. Nick Alderson, Flip Gordon, pretty good. Nothing really special here. Um, all of this counters a victory roll, counters, um, cuts Gordon off and counters into a victory roll and pins Gordon. Um, and he now calls the shots in the feud with Marty due to the match stipulation. Mm. Because whoever won the match gets to call the shots. That's why Marty left the building. That's why Marty left the building. And then TV title tournament final, Ricky Starks versus Trevor Murdoch. Ricky Starks defeats Trevor Murdoch with the stroke. Good stuff. It was veteran versus young comer. Um, good stuff. Overall, very good pay review. Format like a TV. Easy to watch. I suggest you watch it. It seemed like this was a solid pay per view um, from start to finish. So, yes. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good watch. Yes, it is. Old school. Very old school. I like it. Yeah, it kind of like the TV title uh, tournament, similar to how King of the Ring used to be. Where King of the yes. Ring was a one-night tournament, and the winner had to win three matches. So, yeah, I get it. No, I, I totally dig it. Now, I wish that WWE brought back the King of the Ring. It actually did, like, a Queen of the Ring type of deal. Where like they did those similar tournaments. But, but yeah, this is pretty solid. Worlds Collide. Worlds Collide was good. Worlds Collide from, from start to finish was a good Over-delivered, show. in my and, opinion. Yeah, I would say so. I, I would I would say so. I think it's... um. I mean, we were looking forward to DIY versus Mustache Mountain. Don't get us wrong. We knew that match was going to deliver, and it, it did deliver the goods. And obviously, Imperium and Undisputed Era, we knew that was going to deliver the goods. But let's start with the pre-show. That was Mia Yim versus the NXT and... I kind of don't like the the whole like dropping the women's part of their of their championships, but uh, but that's what they did. Was going to NXT champ, UK champion NXT uh, champion as a vote for for um, Rhea Ripley. I'm just gonna say UK but, women's champion. I don't yeah, care. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the women's championship too. The women's tag on it as well. Good pre-show, but, man. Yes, a good pre-show to start it with Kaylee Ray and Mia Yim. Uh, both women obviously hit hard. It's kind of their style. Solid flows from both. Uh, the good chemistry between the two of them. Ultimately, it was Kaylee Ray getting the ropes and the tights combination of the two to steal the pin and steal one for NXT UK. The UK up one nothing here. 
Then we start with a physical match, a hard-hitting matchup between Finn Balor and Ivan Dragunov to start the main Ilya. show. Ilya Dragunov, I should say. Yeah, I don't know why I said Ivan. Ilya Dragunov uh, to start the show. And I was, the crowd was hot on Balor. I think part of that's because I don't think enough of the crowd really knows Ilya Dragunov's style and his skills. I think that's part of the reason why the crowd was so hot on Balor and so a little cold on Dragunov here. But Dragunov play, played his part, and he played his part pretty well. This was a, a very solid match from start to finish. It succeeded. It succeeded. Yeah, what a good a good opener to kind of get everyone's um, like like appetites going for the uh, for the show. So I think that's that's the way I think it was supposed to be, and that's the way it did. So Finn Balor gets it done, hitting the nineteen sixteen to get the pin. But it was a very solid match on both parts. Dragunov's day is coming. I'm I'm very sure his day is coming. It's just a matter of when it's gonna happen. We got some Next promo. Up. We got the promo yep. time with right, Zach right. Gibson. And, and then that was leading towards the NXT UK and the, the, the Dusty Cup finals with with, uh, with GYBs and the Roserweights. <laughs> Matt Riddle continuing uh, to do his, his stick about the uh, kind of subliminal messages with, with the pot, which is kind of RVD-ish, but it's fine. I think Riddle, Riddle's just laid back like that, so it's cool. And if he does it, it's cool. So whatever. Uh, I, I'm I'm with it for it. It's fine. He's perfectly fine. Next up, we got the Fatal Four Way Cruiserweight Title Match for Devlin, Angel Garza, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Travis Banks. This was fun. This was very. very this was very fun. balls to the wall. They they it copied was. the private party Selly string spot. It, it, which yeah, I found it, hilarious. With Devlin and Swerve. This felt like Travis Banks. Travis Banks brought it. This is, you could argue, one of best uh, Banks' best performances since he's been in WWE, I would say. This was this was entertaining. I, I love watching Swerve Scott go. I miss his old interest music, but Swerve Scott continues to go, and it seems like it's a matter of time before he wins the title. Angel Garza did his thing. I like that they changed the belt up. I like the, the title is now black. Just, just keep Devlin far away from Arya Davari. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100 we, we both believe that Devlin had to win a championship. I wish it was like a, like a, a secondary title for NXT UK, but I'm cool with this. I'm cool with Devlin winning the Cruiserweight title, and now he's effectively going to defend it on both. I would imagine he's going to defend it on both brands, on NXT and NXT UK. So the more Devlin, the better. Because... Jordan Devlin can go, and the, the more we see of him, the better off we will be. So we're perfectly cool with Devlin winning the title. He pinned Scott to win the match, by the way. Next up, DIY versus Mustache Mountain. I this, love the. This was fucking great. <laughs> it was. It was. What I loved about this is how we kind of started it with kind of the a little bit of psychology involved. There's some pleasantries, some respect from, from all four parties. How fun that that was a good uh, way to fun way to start the match. And then once we got going, we really got going. There, there was no middle gear. They went straight 100 miles an hour pretty much from midway through to the end. I wish there got- was a middle gear though. I wish there was. Me too. Some. Me too. That's uh, why I mean, it's like out of four and a half instead of out of five. Right. Like I thought it was the, yeah, it, like it was very good. And there's even a better gear that these two these two teams could go at. Which I think is that's the beautiful part about this. They, there's even more that they can do with each other. I mean, I think that's what made this special, and that's what made this very entertaining. 
ultimately with DIY getting it done, when they meet me in the middle, or as a move, I, I love to call meet me in St. Louis, obviously being in the middle of the country, and uh, Ciampa getting the pin on Trent Seven. But this was a very productive match from, from start to finish. Good, good stuff. If y'all want to run it back, well, we're here for it. I think this was the worst match of the night, this uh, this NXT Women's Championship match, but it's not to say it was a bad one. It's just saying the other four matches were very good. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm, and it was all right. I, I think I got the sense that I thought these two could have done more, and like I thought that their match in Blackpool where Tony beat Rip, Ripley to win the title initially, I thought was... They only got this. 10 minutes, so... Yeah, I think it could have used a little bit more time. I think they could have done a little bit more stuff, so... Rhea, the, Rhea retains, as you probably would have expected. But I thought it was okay match. I just think I think there's more they could have done with it. And then the eight-man, which was this, along with, obviously, the tag match you just mentioned. This is main event was fucking awesome. Woo! Bartell and Bartell Eichner are fucking awesome. I love Bartell and Eichner. Bartell and Eichner are fucking awesome. I love Bartell and Eichner. Remember when we, said, remember when we talked about this last week? Where I'm um, a... Where you talked about heel team in NXT UK and like teams that have like a second gear that can, that can go to that 100 miles an hour stretch, and the fact that we only we said there were only two teams in NXT UK that could actually do it, and that's Andrews and Morgan Webster, and these two. These are the only and then and GYVs can probably do it as well. These are the only three teams in UK that can actually go to that third, that second or third gear. Eichner and Bartell are awesome together and they, they are special together um, they got tag team titles written all over them in the, in the hopefully the near future not that hey guys i do like those two dudes beating people alexander up, wolf to accidentally tucked his chin yeah so. it, it got caught by fishing by fishing strong which was took him out of the match and it became four on three but this i think this played out pretty much exactly what we said it was last week we said last week we thought imperium would win because how does undisputed narrow do with walter the answer, even on a four and three advantage, they couldn't. Even with Roddy, even with Fish O'Reilly and Strong triple teaming Walter, and then the, the Olympic Slam from one table through the other, Walter well, still uh, came uh, back. O'Reilly was like, O'Reilly got splatted, and then he was like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> O'Reilly's facial expressions are awesome. O'Reilly's facial expressions are absolutely awesome. When in this perfect timing with his facial expressions, and. No, Walter was just too strong. Basically, Terminator status is what Walter was. And ultimately, it, this um, this broke down, and Eichner and Bartell doing their moves to, to kind of hold off Undisputed Era as long as they could. And ultimately, it was Walter hitting a powerbomb on Bobby Fish and pinning Fish to win the match for Imperium. So it was 3-3, as we expected it would be, between the two brands, NXT and NXT UK. But very good stuff all the way through. Worlds Collide was entertaining pretty much from start to finish. I'm here for more of this. Oh, and and by the way, before the um the NXT UK uh, before the NXT Women's Title match and the eight man tag, we saw the attack by Balor onto Gargano. Gargano was being interviewed, and then Trent Seven took exception to what Balor did and wanted some heat with uh with Balor. He got it on Wednesday. We'll talk about that when we get to NXT. But this was this was only night one in Houston for the WWE. As now we get to the Royal Rumble. Minute Maid Park. At least they didn't make any Astros jokes. I think they I was, told them. I was, ex- I was expecting it too. I was. I, I was think they told them to uh, off limits. Yeah, I, I was expecting for Corey Grace to drop an Astros nugget in there, but it, but it never happened. 
It never, I think it never they did told happen. them it was off Yeah, limits. probably so. I, I, I think that was probably... And, and though it would have been funny, I understood why they didn't want to go that route because the Astros have been through enough heat over the last three weeks. So I kind of understand why they did that. Okay, so let's talk about it. Royal Rumble 2020. First of pre-show matches. Uh, we'll start with Sheamus versus, versus Gable. Solid pre-show opening. Not, not too bad. Not too great, but not too bad. I think it was a solid opening. Solid way to get everyone going, get, get everyone in the building, be productive. Ultimately, it was Sheamus who will finish the deal <clears throat> as he dropped the bro kick on, on Gable to get the pin. But, but a solid opening in Sheamus' first match in WWE in a long time. So good job there. I I, I saw I, I think I accidentally turned it into into an episode of The Simpsons because I saw all I saw was groundskeeper Willie being up Bart Simpson for an extended period of time. <laughs> that's what that's Stop what that. Joel Abraham had said on the voice. That's, 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 that's pretty funny. As a, and for those who know me well, I am, The Simpsons are my favorite show, so I, I, I respect the reference. I respect the hustle. Good job. So, Almas versus Humberto Carrillo, U.S. Championship match. A pretty good match. It was a, it was a good match. I felt like they could have gone a little bit further, but it was a good match nonetheless. I, I was okay with it. Uh, very productive. Almas won clean to get the pin and retain the title. And to kind of keep the story going... Uh, they ran it back on Raw as well, and Carrillo. I thought the Raw match was a little bit better, and Carrillo was looking like the Raw match title. Was a lot better. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm saying the Raw is better than, than the, the Rumble match. Carrillo looked like he was about to win the title, and then Selena Vega, uh, Vega would interfere, causing a disqualification in Carrillo to win. But then Carrillo would take it a step. But they would take it a step further. It looked like Almas was about to DDT Carrillo onto the onto the concrete floor. Uh, in San Antonio, and instead, Korea would get his revenge by DDTing Almas and basically putting Almas' face into in the mat, into the concrete on the outside of the ring, repaying him for what he did in December. Now, obviously, there's the second layer to this. As we knew, as the match was going on between Almas and Korea, the news dropped that Almas got suspended for a month for the um, wellness then why? Then why keep the title on him? That's you the question I was. That's the that's the exact question I was thinking. Why would you not have Korea win the title? That makes zero sense. Even when Roman Reigns got caught for even when Roman Reigns got caught for PEDs, even they had Roman Reigns get pinned and lose the title clean. So like, even then, like we, we we saw that when when right before Money in the Bank when Roman Reigns got caught and then they uh and then they had Rollins win the title from him and obviously Ambrose win it from Rollins. They, even then they had their Golden Boy lost the title. I found that to be kind of dumb. Uh, the, the fact that that Almas is still champion. I, I don't. I don't like that. Just have Korea. Because now you got the title stuck for a month. Now you got the title stuck. Unless you're gonna strip Almas, you got the title stuck now. Uh, it is. What do you? What do you do with the U.S. title? You, you're you tied your hands. And I think that's that's a huge mistake on their parts to have Almas keep the U.S. championship as opposed to him losing it. Bad idea. Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. This sucked. <laughs> this sucked. Why do I get the feeling this should have been there should have been more to this? I didn't think this match was too. This I'm was not gonna dump boring. On this was boring as fuck. This was, was like this is what was like that standard walk and bra. This was ex- yeah. This this was expected. You know what? I, I, and it was obvious that Ziggler and Rude and the Usos are going to be involved. I wish, why does this have a six-man old um, false game anywhere? A six-man old barred. 
Like their their involvement, the involvement with the other four guys, I thought was actually good. I thought it, it yeah, the involvement good. with the other four saved this match. I thought I thought they, they totally made that work. Uh, I think that was very good. Have Jay Uso dive off. And then the they had the porta potty spot where the announcers refused to use the word toilet. Yep. yep. And that, the actually, that that was like I thought that even that was kind of underdone. And then if you're gonna really embarrass Corbin, just just go out all the way with it. And then you have the, obviously the spear on the dugout for Reigns to get the pin on Corbin. This should have been better. For a false get anywhere match, this really should have been better. It just wasn't. Chaotic, sure. But it, it should have been better. Women's Rumble match. I enjoyed this Rumble match better than the previous two. I, I was, I, I love this Rumble match. I thought it was my favorite of the three so far. It really is. I, I, I was really a fan of this. First off, Bianca Belair. This Women's Rumble was really good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is the best of the, to me, this is the best of the three Rumbles uh, so far for the women. Bianca Belair absolutely killed it. I mean, and for those of y'all who've been listening, and those of you who haven't, no, let's go entrance by entrance. <laughs> no, well, she oh, well, she the... came in number two. She came in oh, number Alexa two. Alexa Bliss. Anyway. Yes. Alexa Bliss was the Three uh, first eliminations entry? in twenty six thirty four. Eliminated by Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Bianca, Bianca Belair. Eight eliminations. She she was really impressive. Bianca Belair was probably the MVP of the Rumble match um, for the women. She was outstanding. She lasted, uh, what, 33 minutes? 33-20 was yes. the effective time. She was the second. She lasted the second longest. She was eventually eliminated by Charlotte Flair. But Bianca Belair was excellent in, in her first, in her, I believe her first Royal Rumble. Let me see if Rumble Metrics has something on the 2020. 2020, Beast Mode. Here we go. We have... Yeah, Bianca Belair was, um, came in. She, she, was out, she was really good. And what we, we were, as we were talking with each other as the Rumble was going on, we talked about like, how good like the interactions Bianca Charlotte was. Bianca Charlotte Naomi was entertaining. Uh, the, the, those are matches that we would both love to see. It, it, it was this was good. Like her, her, her involvement. Bel Air was absolutely not out of place with the with the uh, with, with some of the the. So the average interval was one forty five in the women's rumble. Youngest. Okay. Participant was Tony Storm, 24 years, three months, seven days. The okay. oldest was Santina. <laughs> I hated every minute of it. I I just laughed hysterically. I I, I hated I, it. I hated I it. I didn't put any. I yeah, it took away a spot that could have gone to someone else. I I, I understand it. Um, uh, but yeah, I I understood that point of view. Like why why you would hate it? Why you would dump on that? But uh, but, but I, 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 you have a I man in there. Like, Come on. Bitches. Yeah. You think it's in part because of Sasha? And, and, and possibly Sasha's inability to actually compete in, in the Rumble match? You think that was why Santina was put in instead? Yeah. And so I, I think that was part of it. And obviously we got the, the Liv Morgan part. Well, Liv Morgan and Lana get, have a little thing. Thank goodness they didn't give Lana a microphone. Uh, they had their part in there where they eliminate each other and they continue to fight. We, we saw Naomi return, which was great. And then Naomi do a, a, a rumble escape spot. 
which I thought was nice. We saw some nice surprises with the, the likes of Mighty Molly come back. And which I thought was a nice. That was Bianca nice Belair touch. was the longest person in the Rumble at thirty three twenty two. Okay, she did outlast Charlotte. Okay, sixty one point four seven percent of the match. Chelsea Green was the shortest, forty seconds one point three. The average was ten ten oh eight eighteen point six seven percent. Most eliminations was Bianca Belair and Baszler with eight. There were 21 wrestlers with zero eliminations. <laughs> yeah, let's think about that. Belair, Baszler, and Charlotte, who I believe had, what, six or seven eliminations? The three of them, yeah. The three of them really did eliminate most of the field. The, three the longest of them put gap the- between eliminations was between 18 and 19, 11.57. Mm-hmm. Um... So I'll read you the Rumble metrics. 13. That's one number. Brock Lesnar's 13 consecutive eliminations to open. Oh, we'll, no, no, we'll, get, we'll get to the men's. We'll get to the men's. Ultimately, the Rumble came down to Charlotte and Shayna Baszler, who came in number 30. And it would seem that it's only a matter of time before Shayna's officially called up to the main roster. And Shayna absolutely didn't seem out of place. She was, and she was basically a tornado and uh, destroyed every, uh, pretty much everyone in her path. Dropping eight, Belair eliminated eight women in about a half hour. Shayna did it in about two minutes. And she scorched the earth and destroyed everyone in her path and and everyone in front of her, including getting some revenge on Chelsea Blackheart and basically Shayna dominating the latter half of the, the latter stages of the Rumble until we, until we got to, her and Charlotte. But yeah, but Beth Phoenix doing her thing too. Beth Phoenix getting revenge on Natty and Beth Phoenix uh, taking a real nasty cut in the back of her head. And she got, I don't think it was Zia Lee because it happened before, Zia, after watching it back, it happened before Zia Lee uh, got involved in the match. So oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't see how exactly it happened, but it's happened before Zia Lee because she was, there was a massive gash in the back of her head before that. But, um, but Beth Phoenix, she was tough. And that explains why she didn't do World Worlds Collide. Which I, I thought that's what she was going to do with, uh, with Phillips and, uh, and Nigel. But that explains why she didn't. And Beth Phoenix finishing third in the Women's Rumble. Very impressive on her part before Shayna eliminated her. Very impressive. Um, a, a good World Rumble. This was a good Rumble all from start to finish. I enjoyed the Women's Rumble. This was easily, to me, the best of the three that they've done so far. Charlotte winning from number 17. Bailey versus Lacey Evans. This was bad. <laughs> this, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. was awful. <laughs> this was not. This was not good. It was. Uh, this. This wasn't even. This was barely. Honestly, that much. Not even very watchable. To be honest, uh, it was. It's just boring to me. Which was sad because the build up to it was actually pretty good and pretty productive, and it put Lacey on pretty well. And I'm like, okay, this actually might be something. It wasn't. None of it was. None of it was good. It, it just. It was just boring, honestly. To, to, to be t- to tell you the truth. I rewatched the strap match. It was not good. I enjoyed it more than you did. But then again, that's the case with, all, with pretty much all Bray Wyatt things. I, I like the the story evolved with it. Uh, I, I like that they actually. It was good, but I, I'm like, I'm like fucking. 
I'm I'm fucking done with the fiend. Well, yeah, you've been done with the fiend for like two months now. The uh, to me, what, what made this productive for me was that a the strap <laughs> prominent part of the match that it didn't deviate with other weapons or anything like that. B, I love that running how Bryant ran into the sister Abigail. I thought that should have been the finish. I think that's what we're both we, we said that as it happened. We wish that that should have been the finish. That the mandible claw and then Daniel Bryan getting out of the mandible claw and that part of it. I think it should have rearranged rearranged it. And then the, the Terminator spot where Bray Wyatt gets hit with the, with the strap and it does not affect him. That should have been at the start of the match. I think that would have made that better. And then as the I liked what Kelly Harris had to say on the Voices of the Wrestling review. Okay. It's legitimately depressing to see. One of the greatest wrestlers to ever live be stuck in in this goofy bullshit. I I'll be positive for a moment and say that Daniel Bryan managed to drag a halfway decent match out of the Fiend for the second good singles match of Bray Wyatt's career. Take this match out of the context of anything else around it, and it's a solid it's a, what's a solid underdog versus monster match. Now with that out of the way. It was an immensely stupid match. <clears throat> Brian took an actual whipping for this. Remember, mm-hmm. remember, WWE is the safe company. Yes. It's the best company for him to be for his health. This is the kind of horseshit that make me stop watching this company. They don't care about their product, and they don't care about their wrestlers. Bray Wyatt is a terrible wrestler with a stupid gimmick. He's perfect for this company. And that's it was it was confusing. It was confusing that they actually chose a strat match initially. Like, okay, I get it. Why don't you put it in a cage match then? Like, if you don't want if you don't want to escape, why don't you just have a cage or something? Thank goodness they got rid of the red lighting because that that was that was that was annoying in itself. But Bray won. I think he was the right person to win the match. No, I don't, don't think wrong, he dude. was either. Also, the one person won. But but ultimately it's it's clear that they're they're, they're gonna go if you're gonna go all in with something you might as well go all in it's like it's like what they did with gender and how how gender's one last in six months Fuck you're gonna do it you're gonna go all Fuck in that shit uh, uh, the, the, that's something we'll, we'll tell our, like our, our, our any eventual kids one day Jennifer Hall was trash and then within two months they turned him into a WWE champion. It's something we'll tell, we'll tell the next generation. But I digress. Bray retains the title. Now we get to the men's world. Something Rumble good. This was entertaining as well. The, 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 men's, the men's Rumble was actually really entertaining. Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Oh, Becky Asuka. I'm sorry. Becky Asuka good. before that. Becky Asuka before that was good. Yes. This, this was a very good very match good, as well. Actually. Yes. This, this was very good. And I, I enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought it was very productive. It served its purpose, uh, definitely making Asuka still look productive as a heel and making Becky finally uh, break, get over the hump, if you will, uh, with, be- with finally beating the Empress of tomorrow. Uh, I like the green, the, the green mist spot. I thought was very was very well effectively played with uh, with her with Asuka trying to use the green mist, but Becky this time uh, countering it and making sure she didn't get caught in the eyes. And Kyrie Sane's involvement was also very well played, I think. So that, that was well done. And ultimately, Asuka tapping out the disarmor. I think Asuka was the right person. Becky was the right person to win the match. So 
I think they played pretty much everything very well done here. So good job by Oscar Becky and everybody who thought Becky should have retained. So good job there. And now we get to the Royal Rumble match. The, the men's Royal Rumble, if you will. Yeah. Very entertaining from start to finish. Yeah. I was a fan of this. I, I like how they, they played a lot of the uh, the start of the match of, okay, Brock Lesnar is going to dominate. He's going to scorch the earth. And he did. I just didn't be expected, A, for Lesnar mm-hmm. to have 13 straight eliminations. And B, why doesn't that Brock Lesnar break the record, by the way? That, that, that part kind of disappointed me. That uh, the, I think Lesnar should have broken the record. I, I really do. I think he should have just broken it 14 so we can stop this, this greatest Royal Rumble ever stuff. Well, uh, the, the hot garbage that the uh, Strowman getting 13, 14 eliminations in a 50-man Rumble. I, I wish it would have been Lesnar breaking the record with 14 eliminations as opposed to tying it with 13. That's my one. That's my one gripe about this. I don't care about that shit. I, uh, uh, I uh, other than that, I guess it's just statistics. I guess, but but other than that, I like how this played out with Ricochet getting a little bit of revenge with the low blow and the McIntyre with the Claymore. The interactions of Brock and Keith Lee, I thought that was great. The stuff that um that New Day with that the Kofi Biggie and Rey Mysterio did, I thought that was that was a, a good way to triple team Brock. I think they kind of squashed Strowman. Like Strowman and Keith Lee not being used as effectively, I think they. No, so he cleared been. out jobbers. Then he confronted his old rivals, Kofi Ray and Biggie. Then he. Which I thought was nice. Then he had the Minnesota Wrecking Crew reunion with Shelton. Then he defeated two IWGP <laughs> Intercontinental Champions in MVP yep, yep. and MVP Nakamura mm-hmm. because MVP was the first IWGP Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> you had the interesting. Just probably being the most famous. Uh, him and AJ, of course. And Nakamura. No, that's not Nakamura. That's Nakamura and AJ are being probably the two most famous. Oh, yeah. And the interesting hospital section. Mm-hmm. Eric Rowan <laughs> lasted the least amount of time, I believe, with eight seconds. And... The, oh, yeah. Oh, what about... Yeah, we probably should probably talk about the, the Riddle and, and Lesnar thing. Yes. Uh, how Riddle... And Lesnar kind of kind of got into a backstage beef, a backstage um kind of argument. It didn't get, it didn't escalate any deep, but Riddle and Lesnar kind of had a backstage altercation, uh, with uh, Le- Riddle pretty much calling out Brock Lesnar, and he's pretty much been sticking to that for a while. I know Heyman commented on it. I was reading an article earlier today about Heyman commenting on it, saying, "I, I get it. I get why Riddle comes after Brock Lesnar. He- he's the biggest draw. He, he knows. He's a- he thinks this is part of this is a money grab." Like, you attach your name to Brock Lesnar, you try to get money. You try to get attention. So, Heyman kind of understood it, it sounded like, for why, why Riddle will come after Brock and, and call out Lesnar, saying he was going to end his career. Lesnar promptly saying, like, you're not going to, I'm not going to work with you. Like, I'm not working with you, or so, stuff like that. So, I, I get why Heyman would clap back the way he did. I understand. Completely understand it. Nothing physical happened. There was no, nothing happened to Riddle. Nothing was done. This was clearly just like a backstage argument between the two. Uh, between the two dudes. But yeah, McIntyre eliminating Lesnar, and you can see the writing was on the wall that it was going to be McIntyre and Lesnar at WrestleMania in some way, somehow. And as ultimately, this was a very entertaining match. McIntyre came in at 16 to get the elimination there, but basically the world broke for the second time in about seven hours uh, on Sunday because of the 21st entrant, and his name was... Honestly! I see clearly. The world broke 
when the rated R superstar Edge made his triumphant return to the ring. And the reaction videos, if you haven't seen some of them on YouTube, I advise you to go do it because it's highly entertaining and it's awesome. Uh, seeing the, the reactions, some of them live in, at the at Minute Maid Park, some of them in, at home, some of them in bars. Live reactions, awesome, of Edge making his triumphant return. And the cameraman, whoever was the cameraman at first, the live camera feed, uh, but the first spear on Ziggler, how, how did you fail and miss that? Oh, how, how did you, you miss? How, WWE you production! Fail? You suck! <laughs> no, you I suck! <laughs> you, you suck! suck. You, you suck! suck. <laughs> you but suck! Yeah, that... Kevin it... Dunn! You <laughs> suck! Oh, it was it was that's a bad miss. Now I knew that they had there were different angles. They were gonna catch the spear, and I know they're gonna go back and edit it to make it, sure it, that it, that the, 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 that the secondary angle is the one that gets used for that. Anytime anyone goes back and watches the Royal Rumble. I, I know that's going to happen just because like I, it's um, I've seen this happen with camera angles and editing before, so I, I know that how that goes down. But yeah, so the first spear missing that live was pretty bad. And okay, so they got Edge comes in, Rex shop does his thing. We saw some great interactions. Edge, Edge, AJ Styles, Edge and Seth Rollins. We saw some great interactions, some dream matches that we kind of expect to happen, and kind of uh, we really honestly dream like hope that, that see happen. And I saw some interesting tidbits on Edge's deal. Apparently, his deal is a three-year situation. Uh, three, he's got 25 matches uh, in, involved in the deal. He's got to work at least three per year to get a million dollars a year. And he's got to do 25 appearances and five matches. So, apparently, that's, uh, that's pretty much the, the gist of Edge's uh, contract with WWE. So, it is kind of part-time, but Edge is at least going to do stuff with it. As from from what I understand and from what I've read about with uh, with Edge's uh Edge signing a deal with WWE to, to do more stuff. It's came the Rumble itself came down to Edge, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre as the final three, and Randy Orton as the fourth. Randy Orton as the fourth, and we got a lot of uh, team rated RKO stuff, which I thought was great. The double RKO on McIntyre was fun, and it looked like Orton was going to turn on Edge. And Edge, as we know, they teamed with, with Orton, and Edge was really a schemer before Randy Orton was. So Orton made the fatal mistake of turning his back on Edge, and he really shouldn't have did that, and promptly was thrown out of the out of the match by Edge. Unfortunately, we did not get a Kofi escape, and I'm not sure this match really needed it. I think this match was pretty much was pretty good without without a Kofi escape this year. We also got the interactions of uh, Seth and. Buddy, kind of jump back in the story. Seth and his crew dealing with Joe, Alistair, and Kevin Owens. As Owens, Joe, and Rollins pretty much came out at the end of the match. Rollins was number 30. So we got some interactions between those guys and a massive brawl that followed the eliminations of all the faces. <clears throat> so we got good interaction there. Keep that story going. There's more on Raw. So it came down, as I mentioned, to the final four. Orton getting eliminated by Edge. That's the final three. Reigns eliminated Edge, which drops into the final two of Reigns and McIntyre. And then it was McIntyre with a Claymore kick and an elimination of Roman Reigns. So Drew McIntyre wins the 2020 Royal Rumble and will finally get his first shot at the WWE or the World 
of the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, which I'm going to get to right about now, because Raw is the next thing that happens here. Raw thing, Raw. Monday Night Raw, and I think it, it started well. I thought it ended very well. The middle, eh, all right, nothing special. So we start with, I already, I already told you about Almas and, and Umberto and that situation, so we can skip over that. But then we can get to McIntyre started the show. And McIntyre got a hero's welcome in San Antonio and immediately decided he wasted no time that he was going to come and do the obvious thing and go after Brock Lesnar and the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. So we got that match set up. McIntyre then promptly destroyed Gallows and Anderson in a handicap match, dropping both of them with Clay Morris and pinning them both. This led to Brock Lesnar then dropping McIntyre with a prompt F5 right after the uh, proceedings, or right after the match that McIntyre just had. So I thought it's a good job of advancing the storyline. It's a good job of, of kind of setting it up with Drew and Brock coming up in nine weeks. I think it's a very good look that we got what we what we got here. Good job on all parts. Cool with that. <clears throat> Next up, we got Rey Mysterio versus a rather old MVP. Let's, let's call it a spade a spade. MVP did not move very well at all. But this is, it was an all right match for what it was. Rey Mysterio getting the win. So, really, you missed nothing here except for nostalgia. Right. <clears throat> Let's see here. Alistair, Back, Alistair Black destroyed somebody and is probably saying he's going to go after other people as opposed to waiting for people to challenge him, which is perfectly fine because we need Alistair Black having more high-profile matches. We need that. We need more of that. Yeah, Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe got concussion. So, mm-hmm. it was Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens. And Buddy Murphy Ultimately, it was Buddy Murphy getting the pin on Kevin Owens after the Viking Raiders jumped AOP in their locker room, keeping that storyline going between those eight men. Unfortunately, obviously, Joe with the concussion uh, kind of hindered things a little bit, but still a win for Buddy and Seth. All right. versus Andrade. I pretty much explained that earlier after the Rumble match with um, with. Umberto winning by disqualification and then basically getting his revenge on Andrade right after. Again, why do you have Andrade keep the title at, even though he's getting suspended and can't technically defend it within the 30-day period? Made zero sense to, uh, to either of us, quite honestly. Charlotte so, decision. Charlotte actually really didn't make a decision. She truthfully didn't uh, decide on whether she's going to challenge Bailey or Becky. Or whoever either champion is going to be. She didn't really make a call. She instead fought Asuka. And what was a pretty productive fight. It was a pretty productive one-on-one between the two. As it's clear, Asuka needs to get back on her feet after losing. Uh, Kyrie Singh would get involved and basically cause a disqualification. But uh, Flair would fight the both of them off as uh, Asuka had to... Uh, so Kyrie had to make, Asuka had to make the save after um, of the same interference. So Charlotte wins by DQ. And uh, Charlotte will continue to keep everybody on edge with her. We'll keep everybody guessing with her decision. Can we say these three segments never happened? And Mojo Raleigh, No Way Jose, R-Truth dressed as a cheeseburger, um, Lana versus Liv Morgan, and Eric Rowan versus... Liv Liv won. Hopefully we we can end this segment with Liv and Lana. Liv finally beats Lana. Rowan destroys another jobber, dude. But really, so the last hour of Raw was basically trash until we got to Edge's return to Raw. Until we got to Edge's return, the last, the last three segments were complete trash. And 
Edge returns. The building goes nuts. The building is basically living on Edge's every single word. Randy Orton then comes out, and it looks like, okay, could Randy and RKO be coming back together? Or is Randy going to fight Edge? This turned into, okay, Orton's like, he threw, he dangled the carrot. Like, all right, let's have Randy and RKO. Let's have Randy and RKO come back. And then Orton dropped him with an RKO. Instantly turning him heel, instantly making everybody hate Randy Orton. I think this was the right move to do it. I love that they went this route for Randy. I think this is a, a good look to go. Randy being incredibly safe in the ring for Edge considering his neck injury and his neck his, history. Perfectly cool with it. I think Edge wouldn't have been able to take the concerto and the RKO if his neck weren't 100%. So I, I'm perfectly fine with it. It's similar to how Daniel Bryant returned. How Daniel Bryant returned and he immediately got beat up. And you kind of knew, okay, he's going to be all right. So I, I get it. So I'm, I'm perfectly cool with this. I think it's perfectly fine as long as he's healthy. Perfectly fine. And then Orton, gets dr- Orton then finishes the deal with a concerto. On one of the leader, one of the innovators of the concerto, dropping Edge with it. As it looked like he was going to do worse. <laughs> it looked like Orton was seriously going to finish Edge, but boy, he had the, the chair around his neck. It was going to the second row. We're like, you really are going to finish him. Thankfully, Randy didn't go that route, but the concerto is the next best thing. So I think it's perfectly fine. We're clearly setting Orton and Edge up either for WrestleMania or for Blood Money Four, aka Blood Money Five, aka Super Showdown. So that's Raw. Raw started well. Had some good stuff until the 10 o'clock hour hit, and then it ended outstandingly well. So that's Raw. You want to go to NXT? NXT was hot to me. Uh, NXT, I liked NXT. I thought both shows were meh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I agree with you on AEW. I didn't. I just couldn't get into AEW. AEW was, was bland. Yeah, it was it was pretty bland. AEW was pretty bland to me. A- NXT and I think the thing about NXT that we learned this week, this women's division is incredibly deep. The fact that you had two respectably two good matches and a third was with Chelsea Green, I thought was, eh. but the other two matches I thought were good, and you didn't have anybody that involved themselves in the War Games match or actually officially competed in the War Games match. You got this women's division stacked, and I hope I wish the UK division would would um would get some of these women. But the match, well, the night started off with Finn Balor and Trent Seven, and Finn Balor basically beat up Trent Seven from start to finish and effectively dominated the match. Uh, Seven got some of his stuff, and he got a seven star lariat. But this is really about Balor doing his thing. Balor hit the coup de grace in nineteen sixteen to get it done. But this was a good opener to the show. It really was. Shot this is one of the Diana. <laughs> This is one of the two um, women's matches. Shotzi Blackheart and Deanna Perrazzo was a productive women's match. A good way to start the show. I like I like um, Shotzi Blackheart's mini tank. I was cool. I thought that was fun. I, I, it was a fun way to come into the into the ring. People were loving it. Her entrance online. I noticed that. But uh, ultimately, it was uh, Shotzi getting it done and, and getting the pin for a diving senton uh, to kind of continue her run in NXT. Good job there. Lee Dajakovic and Damian Priest. Good segment between the three big men. The Marilyn Manson wannabe line by Dajakovic was great. I thought that was hilarious. That was funny. And this led to a very good match between Dajakovic and um, Damian Priest. And this was a very good match between the two of them. I thought both dudes really, really put it down. I was a big fan of this match. Highly entertaining. Uh, it was Dajakovic getting it done with the Feast Your Eyes. But this is a really good match. And probably Priest 
best match since he's been in NXT. That's how they, that match was the match he won against Keith Lee last summer. Either one would be fine. Yeah. Then we got a very violent situation. Well, not violent, but a very good situation by Champa. As Champa, as we knew, that Cole was going to find out his challenger would take over Portland on Wednesday. And we noticed that uh, Undisputed Era kind of got laid out in the back. And it was Champa who did it with a, with a steel pipe. He kind of said he was going to do this and then promptly laid out the other three members of UE with a lead pipe, leaving Cole one-on-one. Cole got heated. They went to the ring. Cole went to the ring with the contract and said, okay, let's, let's go to work. And as, as those two dudes started the fight, ultimately it was Ciampa powerbombing Cole through a table and then putting his name, pen to paper on the contract. So we're looking like Ciampa versus Cole in Portland, which we expected, but it made it official for TakeOver Portland. Well done segment. Good stuff there. A rivalry that has continued to build and build and build, and I've enjoyed this build. I know you've enjoyed it, too. Between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, full disclosure, Tegan and Dakota look extra hot right now. No, no cap. No, no lies here. No lies. <clears throat> but ultimately, it was uh, in the ring. Uh, we obviously got the, the uses of the knee brace by Knox onto Kai, but it was the shiniest wizard that put Kai down for three with a little bit of an assist by Candice LeRae. Who would kind of get herself involved in the match, but uh, but good but good job continuing to build this rivalry. I kind of hope this isn't the end, but I think I think there's more these two can do. And if, if ever there's a women's match that that deserves say like a, a no DQ or some sort of stip between these two, I think these two are probably the the two to have it. But this, this was good stuff between uh between Knox and Kai. Keep that. Let's keep that going. Chester Green got. Beat by Caden Carter. There wasn't wasn't much here to tell you the truth that happened, but uh, Chelsea losing her first uh, effective match in NXT. Not much really happened here. We're gonna need to see more from her eventually. And now we get to the finals of the Dusty Rose Classic, GYBs and the Broserweights. A good match, a very productive match. It served its purpose. All four guys got their stuff in. Both teams did great double teamwork. I thought this was a Nothing seemed out of place here. I'm highly entertaining from start to finish. The Broserweights who have caught fire since they've become a team. In the three weeks, they've been tag teaming together. Riddle and Dunn get the, get the job done. And uh, they hit the kind of the bro to sleep, if you will, uh, to get the pin on Gibson and win the titles and, they, and win the Dusty Cup and number one contendership for the tag team championships to take over Portland. So that's the added prize that was added on Saturday at Worlds Collide before they did their promo. So they are the fourth winners, joining uh, joining Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, and AOP and the Undisputed Era. They're the fifth winners. Uh, AOP and the Undisputed Era, and uh, last year's winners, Alistair Black and Ricochet. And that is NXT. AEW. We had a promo from from John Moxley saying. The crowd loves him, and then Jericho comes out and erupts him. Calls the crowd idiots mm-hmm. for singing that song. But yeah, for yeah, for for singing the song and the fact that they were in they were in Cleveland. Obviously, obviously Moxley being from Cincinnati uh, got got the Ohio love uh, involved there too. Ten on one. Um, he, he did the OH. I O. Mm-hmm. That's a chance, as a Penn State, I will never do, but I understand why you did it. Uh, Penn State will never do. Oh, no, we, we, don't, we don't believe in that. Nope, I don't, I don't believe in that at all. Nope. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, East Park will never do that chant. So I did get a chuckle out of Jericho and following the Ohioans after that chant. I did get I did get a little uh, a chuckle out of Jericho doing that. So I was then, well, good job, Chris. Good job. Uh, um, but it was good promo work from both. It was. It, it really was. Uh, on both parties, all seriousness, the promo was actually good. So it, it served its purpose. Continued to build heat up. Uh, for their one-on-one title match at the end of the month, uh, at the end of February in Chicago, so it continued to build up the heat. So good, good job there. It was good stuff. Butcher and the Blade versus the Box, Melter Driver, mm-hmm. done. Good match. It was AW on the comment, uh, uh, MJF on the commentary. I, I thought he was productive there. Did uh, you see I, I the uh, vignette beforehand? Yeah, with them, I, the Butcher. I, 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 I love that. I loved it. The thing, yeah, I thought it was dope. I thought it served. I thought every character involved in that played it perfectly. AEW kind of being, uh, AJ kind of being a boss, and, and then getting um Wardlow with, with the briefcase was obviously full of with the uh, with the envelope was obviously full of cash. As the blade, as Bunny had the knife, it was it was like you said something wrong. It was gonna it was gonna be trouble. It was gonna be some drama involved. But I, I love how that was played off. And then the stuff in the crowd MJF did before he went to the commentary table. Oh, that was that was wild. MJF was doing it in the crowd uh, before he went to the commentary table and saw it was basically Jr. and Shivani, but uh, but and the whole crew there. I, th- I thought that was funny as well. MJF again is a heel that is awesome. We'll get to Hangman Page later. We'll get to Hangman Page later and the twelve dollars that he owes Private Party. <laughs> <laughs> We did see that. You yeah. you saw that though, right? I did. I did see that. That was good. <laughs> um, oh, oh. Page is funny. Page, good job. Um, Omega makes a save. Butcher Blade attacks the Bucks. Omega makes a save and Page hits the Bucks Lariat with the beer in hand. Yep. No, actually, he handed the beer off. He, he handed, handed the, the beer, beer off to Matt. Yeah, he hit the bear off the Matt Jackson and hit the Bucks out Larry. And, and then he took and the beer and, and, the and back. He took the he took the beer back and dipped. <laughs> so that was great. As, 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 it's only a matter of time for Hangman Page to turn I on Kenny. It's only a matter of time for him to turn on Kenny, but in the meantime, continue to do this stuff that you're doing, Hangman. And this is funny. You're a champion. I'm, you're I'm a here champion. for this. Nile Rose versus the Big Swole. This was really good. It actually was a good match. You know what? We got to see Nyla Rose actually get tested. And and we got to see Big Swole and her athleticism. I think this was a good match to have. I think both women are better against smaller opponents. But I think this was a good match. I really do. I think this was all. Well, really, Nyla Rose, every opponent is going to be smaller. But Nyla Rose gets, like, super smaller, like, like women to face, as opposed to Big Swole, who's not quite in her, like, like build class. But it's probably the second biggest woman that's going to consistently wrestle on, on AEW. But this, this was Cody, a good match. Cody versus Kevin Sabian. And this was easy, easily the worst Cody match. Yeah. 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 In his AEW tenure. Yeah, now the world's got it done, by the way. But, but yeah, Cody versus Kip. Yeah, really not much. I mean, I, I, there was a whole lot of involvement by Penelope Ford. A whole lot of happened with Penelope. She was really the, the main part of the match, honestly. As opposed to the two Ford guys. Ford is a Dollar Tree Zelina Vega. Yeah. I can buy that. Wasn't his fault. It wasn't Cody's fault. So. No, no. It, it probably was too much Penelope Ford. 
It probably was too much Penelope. But yeah, no, Selena is so much better in that role. You, you're 100% right. Selena is so much better in that role. Cody gets the win, but yeah, it was... Uh, and Cody put, put obviously putting some more on that with three straight crossroads to finish the deal as he's going to take a whipping next week uh, to set up the three weeks of... Uh, to set up the stipulations that were going to happen uh, before he could fight MJF in Chi-Town. And then Britt Baker. Fire. Fire! Britt Baker on the microphone is heat. Is nothing but heat. There is nothing but heat. I, like her, and she could extend her beat to Jr. With, with the getting at him with the barbecue sauce and getting at him. How does she know? How does she know that he has gingivitis by his breath? <laughs> well, she's a, she's a dentist. She can figure that out. She's got a she's got a PhD, as, as we now know. DMD. She's got a PhD. She's a DMD. She she knows, and then she studied it in uh, dermatology. So she don't mess that. with dentists. Nope, not at all. Basically, better have a pack she's of gum on hand. Bitch. <laughs> Basically, I think what we're saying here: if you're going to talk to Britt Baker up close, have a pack of gum on hand because she can she can put you on game for that. I, Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. Doctor Cole, Doctor Cole, baby. Dr. Cole Bebe, putting it, spitting out more heat on AEW with the microphone. She is absolutely oh, fire. Baby. With her, she's absolute fire with a the microphone. There, there's no other way to say it. Dr. Cole, you, you with the microphone is just absolute fire. <laughs> She'll be in action next week. Guys, versus Helico and Cat, and Helico and Jack Evans. They had a tribute to Kobe. Yep, um, SCU, all three of them wearing Kobe jerseys. Uh, and then kind of, and it was clear that Scorpio Sky was absolutely shook, as a whole lot of the world was. So we understood why. Uh, was shook with uh, with Kobe's passing. So the three, the three of the, the SoCal natives showed some love to the the NBA legend. And it was um SC with SCU with a good win to to finish the kind of get themselves back on track. And it's clear they're gonna get a tight title shot, a rematch. And we got Dark and, Order shit. <laughs> yep, Jesse, you think you can go without Dark Order? Uh, Dark Order comes back, and they, they clearly want more heat with, Chris, with uh, Christopher Daniels. And oh they clearly fuck. want him to destroy Dark Order. Hey, at least, at least we didn't get uh, uh, Brady Rose's crew. At least we didn't get uh, Brady Rose's crew. Oh, I think – oh, I hope they scrapped that shit. <laughs> <laughs> at least we didn't get – hey, we didn't get them for back-to-back weeks. So no, that's the that's thing that, that nobody seems to like is Nightmare Collective. No one. We didn't get – No. <laughs> No. We didn't get that for the second straight week. At least there's that. Uh, we, got, we got a we got an Edgar Allan Poe style promo from Pac. I mean, like where, where Pac was like, he seemed very angry he's and upset. Coming and like he's, about he's coming for blood, man. He's coming for blood. Like the, the dude's in nothing but his tights, and he's outside. Like he's out in like the Cleveland winter, which I don't recommend anybody to do. And he's he's cutting the promo like he's cut a very violent promo. Like he's coming for Kenny Omega's blood. And like he's he's doing he's gonna start this process next week, so like it's it it was ominous, man. It was very ominous. So next week, we got our next week preview. So next week, Cody takes his ten lashes from MJF. Mhm. Ortiz versus John Moxley, Britt Baker right, versus right. Yuka Takazaki, and Box mm-hmm. Page and Omega versus Butcher Blade and the Lucha Brothers. That yeah, that was the. So originally the Lucha Bros, they were the they were um, that was the mystery team 
that Butcher and the Blade are going to add to the eight-man tag. So that, that's a that's going to be that's a good uh, amount of car, amount of stuff happening next week on AEW's Dynamite. Then we get to the main event of Private Party Darby Allen versus Santana Ortiz and La Champion for Jericho. Private Party never got their twelve dollars from Hangman Page. Nope, they never got the money back from Hangman Page. But for this break. But it did. This is true. What it did catch was a beating. As a, and the Judas effect. And the Judas effect basically knocked one of the private party members cold. Cassidy. It, it, knocked, it knocked Cassidy cold out in the middle of the ring. Jericho gets the <laughs> pin. That's a, if ever there was a nightfall moment in the week, that's it. Because Jericho knocked him cold with the Judas effect. And he, he was done from there. This turned into a beatdown. A five on one beating, a five on three, well, really five on two at this point. Beat down, uh, where Darby Allen really took the worst of it, as Darby got the skateboard to the throat by Sammy Guevara, and he, he took a, a mass, he took a whip uh, from the title belt to his back. As it's clear, it looks like Allen and Guevara that'd be a pretty solid one on one match actually. So if they do that, by all means, that'd be pretty good. Uh, basically, Moxley had to make the save. And basically saved what could have been a whole lot worse for Darby Allen, quite honestly. And that's how really the show ended, was uh, Moxley making a save and getting the inner circle away from Darby Allen. That's AEW. Yes. Um, Super Bowl. And now Super Bowl Sunday. The best offense in the playoffs and the best defense in the playoffs are the only ones left standing. We got the Chiefs, who's rode here was getting the number two seed in the AFC thanks to the Dolphins beating the Patriots and basically chasing the landscape of the AFC forever. Even with Tom Brady's cryptic tweet, if you didn't see it, you should probably look at his, his Twitter. His, his tweet's pretty cryptic. Anyway, we saw the, the Chiefs come back from a 24-0 lead, <clears throat> 24-0 deficit uh, by the hands of the Texans, and Bill O'Brien being a complete idiot. I'm sorry, Bill. I know you're a former Penn State coach, but in Houston, you really just lost your brain cells. That was a really dumb decision on your part. But um, what ended up happening was the, t- the 41 unanswered points, as we all know, by the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey doing their thing. And then we saw the Chiefs beat Tennessee with very game for a lot of the uh, first half, but they just didn't have the horses to keep up with, uh, with Kansas City. So Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl that way. And they keep the Lamar Hunt Trophy at its original home in Kansas City, Missouri. So, I have some Super Bowl prop bets Mm -hmm. here for the broadcast, for the the, uh, halftime, and for the the, um, commercials. All right. We'll do some fun ones because... The the uh, normal ones are boring. Mm-hmm. Like, how many yards? So, will the broadcast show a clip or a picture of Joe Montana playing for the Chiefs? I'm going to say yes. Yes is plus 150. No, it's minus 200. They have to. He played for both teams. They, 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 ha- they have to do that. Will Joe Buck mention his father, Jack Buck? This one's interesting. As I know they talked about it. Um, Jim Nance did uh, talk about it as the Chiefs are winning the AFC title. How Jack Buck called Super Bowl one with the Chiefs 
And now, 50-some-odd, 50 years later, 50-plus years later, uh, his son Joe is going to call Super Bowl 54 with the Chiefs. It might have been 4-54. and But he definitely did call early Super Bowl Kansas City was involved in. And then his son's not going to call this one with the Chiefs in it. So there, there was this was um so I would imagine I don't know I don't think Hill mentioned his father, but I do think his father I think Aikman or somebody else is going to mention him. I don't think it'll be Joe. Okay. So I'm gonna say no to that. So my minus three hundred no plus two hundred yes. Will the Super Bowl mention that Rockets mentioned that the Super Bowl is on Groundhog Day? Yes plus three hundred. No minus five hundred. <clears throat> I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yeah. I think I think yes that'll be, uh, 300. I'm gonna say yes. Which X 49ers player will be mentioned first on the broadcast? Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, or Steve Young? Montana. I'm going Montana. Minus 150. Okay. Plus 140 for Jerry Rice, Steve Young, 40 plus 400. Will a John 316 banner or sign be shown? A John 316? Or an Austin. We're talking Miami. Austin's possible considering SmackDown is on Fox as well. And obviously they did WWE backstage in Miami at the Super Bowl set. I'm going to say yes to John, uh, John 316 sign. That's at plus 300, minus 500 now. Will the broadcast mention Alex Smith? They have to. He's an integral part of how this went down with Kansas City. Absolutely, I think they do. And the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, obviously Alex Smith playing for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They're going to have to mention that. Plus, Plus 300, yes. Minus 500, no. Will the broadcast mention Steve Bono? <laughs> hmm. Okay, now this one's interesting. Uh, I don't I don't see Aikman and Buck being that kind of they're not really pop culture y with a lot with some of their commentary. They 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 mention stuff, but they're not like over the top with it. They probably do, but they're not like over the top with their pop culture stuff. But I think they'll mention them, yes. Who's Steve Bono again? Steve Bono is. Steve Bono is. He is a former. Uh, he's a former football quarterback in the NFL. I believe he was a quarterback. Was he the quarterback for the Chiefs when the Chiefs won the? Uh... No, he could have been. He did well, play for the Chiefs. He, he did play for the Chiefs uh, in his career. He's a he's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, he won a Super Bowl twenty four with the Niners. So he was a backup uh, uh, for the Niners Super Bowl twenty four. So he played for he played for both teams as well. I'm gonna say no to him. I'm gonna say no to Steve Bono. Will Darrell Reeves tweet about Richard Sherman during the game? Okay, so let, let's do the backstory on this. Darrell Reeves. Yes. No, I'm going yes. Okay, Reeves. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say yeah too. Uh, so Reeves. The backstory on this is that 
Revis is mad that Richard Sherman gets all this love and attention, and, he, and he's claiming that Sherman only really covers one side of the field, which is mostly true. And Sherman's basically covered one side of the field in his career, but is locked down. Revis, on the other hand, has been pretty much a guy to lock down one particular receiver. And Revis jumped into this defense on Twitter. Sherman clapped back because he knew it was coming. Sherman clapped back and said, oh, but I'm going to the Super Bowl and you're going to your, your couch or something. And like, he clapped back saying, like, like, I'm going to the Super Bowl and this and that. And try, he tried to be respectful. Not Tyreek Hill level respectful, but he tried to be respectful of, 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 of uh, Darrell Revis. But, yeah, he was uh, – Darrell Revis was pretty salty on Twitter uh, about, uh, about Richard Sherman. Yeah, and the love he, he gets. squeezing about Richard Sherman during the game. He, he, um, he's got to. Especially if Sherman gets cooked by Tyreek Hill or Nicole Hardman or one of the team receivers. He's got to. Will Kiara Mia tweet about Jimmy G during the game? Yes. Kiara Mia was the, uh, I believe she was the uh, porn star, I believe, who dated yeah, uh, Jimmy the porn G. star. Well, who pretty much, that's where Jimmy G got, got, the, got his kind of his, like national buzz, I guess, um, before the season started. That those two were dating, they were an item. She had some very positive comments about Jimmy G's uh, skills off the football field, if you catch the drift. And, uh,. And uh, kind of people didn't take it and run, but they uh, it, it's been it's apparently no. She put it out there, and uh, Jimmy G is uh, pretty productive off the football field if you catch the drift there. She'll probably say something on the social the, medias as well with the sexual energy. Yes. Uh, yep. Is that, that's pretty much it. I'm, so, I'm uh, afraid it's that. I'm not afraid it's that. Nope. She was um, Jimmy G was very apparently productive in the uh, bedroom. That's uh, what we're saying here. <laughs> We're not a PG show, Mike. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, good point. You're right. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're I not, put the explicit part. tag on the show. Oh, fair. All right, fair game. Jimmy G apparently knows what he's doing off the football field in the bedroom. Is what we're saying here. So uh, yeah. I was out of the fuck. <laughs> basically, basically, basically meaning that she, basically meaning that um, he made her tap out. He basically made her tap out. That's what, what we're saying here. That's, that's what we. That's what we. Uh, that's what apparently she was was claiming Jimmy G did. Will Tom is. Brady be mentioned on the broadcast? After that cryptic tweet, he has to be. What cryptic tweet? And, and really, and, and okay, so the tweet that you, you, you may not have seen was Tom Brady basically showing a picture, a silhouette of himself, kind of looking out. It look, it's, it's unclear. It looks like he's going towards Gillette Stadium's field, but it's. Um, but it's just it's him and it's like a black silhouette of him so that you like you, you can tell it's him because he put it out there. But it's Where's like this going He sent it Is out it like down? five hours ago. No, 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 it's still up. It's still up. People took it and ran. So Brady is basically basically it's Brady kind of like a silhouette of him looking at, at Gillette Stadium's field. And he's like it's it's no it's a picture of him, but he like, he can't you wouldn't know if it's him if he didn't send it, and that's all it is. There's no words. It's just it's just a picture. It's, no, it's just a simple picture, and no it's got shit. Patriots fans. It's got Patriots fans shook. Yeah, okay, he's looking at the tweet now. It's got Patriots fans shook. Oh shit, he's retiring. Yeah, you see it? Yeah, you see it? Like it's he's looking at it now. It's like it's got some Patriots fans kind of shook. It prompted Jamal Adams to come back. Like, Please get out of the AFC East. As well? He's wearing normal clothes, too. Yes, he is. 
he's, he's looks like he's wearing a suit. You can tell. It looks like he's walking. It looks like he's walking towards. His hands are in his pockets, so you can't even tell. But uh, it looks like he's walking towards the away from the field. That's the point. That's the point I'm saying. That's the point. It's got Patriots fans kind of shook. It's got Pats fans kind of shook. Jamal Adams basically say like, "Oh, that's the way getting out of the AFC East," or that, that was his clapback. And like, people were like, and, "I don't mind. I bought the CD at Starbucks the other day." <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of people that are that are just shook that that are absolutely shook on Twitter responding. <laughs> somebody, somebody had to look at Trey Aikman's reaction to Jimmy Johnson's Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm just reading the responses to this. There's, there's a whole lot of people on page. Um, SNF on MBT, away towards the field or away from the field? It looks like he's going to. He's look like he's going away from the field. It looks like he's walking away from it. It legitimately looks like he's walking 52% away from the field. 52% says towards the field. 47% says away from the field. I think it's away. I really think it's away from the field. This might be it. This might be it. This might be this might be the end. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Teddy Bruski saying, Dan Heron, is this one of those mind games where we analyze it if you're walking towards or away from us? Uh, Somebody responded to Chargers Stadium. It's not it's not that serious. No, I don't think he, I think he, he could go to the Chargers. I can see that. Now that Phillip Rivers is is, uh, is not coming back to the Chargers, and I think somebody said Patch fans. Patch fans are shook. The Ringer saying no. Hold on a minute, Blair. Hold on a minute, Blair. Yep. Every Patch. There's, there's a whole lot of memes of Patch fans. Patch fans are absolutely shook by this. Absolutely shook. Their franchise is going to shit. Woohoo! Yep. This could, this really could be the end. Did Brian Fitzpatrick all but end? Because let's face it, I'm not sure if New England's not in this game if it weren't for Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing a TD to Mike Kosicki. Ryan. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Thank you. Thank you, Miami Dolphins. Thank you, I'm Beast Mike. Sure I'm not sure if they're not in this game if it weren't for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So th- this, this makes me very happy that we're probably responsible for the end of New England's run. Yes, I take with great pride. New England, we did this to you. Will they show highlights of Dominic McNabb throwing up? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no. I'm going to see the Are they going to mention Super Bowl 39? Absolutely. Are they going to show Donovan McNabb barking in Jacksonville? I'm going to say no. If the Super Bowl were in Jacksonville, oh, yeah, he's either going to show him barking. But I think since it's in Miami, not Jacksonville, I'm going to say no, they don't show him. Will Joe Buck or Troy Aikman speak Spanish? No, I don't think either are about their life. I don't think either are that are, are that kind of hip or trendy. Are you doing the Shakira that. performance? Shakira, Shakira. I'm going to say no to both of them. I, I hope Shakira and JLo's performance is going to be entertaining. I know there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the set uh, for Shakira and JLo doing their thing. But I'm going to say no. They don't show the um, Joe or Troy don't speak Spanish. Who will be who will the Super Bowl MVP thank first after winning the award? Teammates, got a religion, coach or coaches, winning city, family or owner? I'm gonna go God. I think I think he'll think I think the MVP will will thank God first. Will either Jennifer Lopez or Shakira first address the audience in Spanish? 
Fair. I think either, I've, not first, but they will. So my answer will technically be no. Okay. Which Jennifer Lopez song will be performed first? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Obviously, it's going to be some, something upbeat and, and something that they'll... I, I think it's going to be Jenny from the Block. I'm going to go Jenny from the Block, plus 500. Mm, okay. What are the other options here? Let's get loud. Let's okay. get loud. Let's get loud. Live right. it up. On the floor. Dinero. El Anilo. Waiting for the night. Waiting for the night. Uh, That's probably my pick. Waiting, waiting for tonight makes some sense. Well, let, let's get loud at waiting for tonight. I probably I'm down to those two. I'll probably go waiting for tonight. Um, mine, my Shakira song is not even on here. Okay. It's hips don't lie. That would make the most sense. That would absolutely make that. That was their biggest hit. That would make the most sense. Um. Which song will close out the halftime show? Let's get loud, live it up, whenever, when, wherever. That's going to close it, whenever, wherever. It's that or live it up. It's going to be one of those two. Will Miami by Will Smith be performed as a cover? Hmm, that's interesting. That would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. I say no. I'm going to say no, too, but that would make a lot of sense to do it. Will, be, will a football be used as a prop? No. I'm going to say yes to that. Um, will Alex Rodriguez be shown during the halftime show? Well, who be, will be on the halftime show? Will Alex Rodriguez be shown? Like, in the I'm audience. Gonna no. I'm going to say no. I, I think J-Lo J- is a big enough star, but she, doesn't, she won't need the, the extra attention from her husband. DJ Khaled make an appearance. Now, technically he does, but he'll do it because they're, they're doing something before the game. Uh, DJ Khaled, Meek, um, a bunch of other uh, performers, Pitbull, include, uh, Pitbull as well, they're going to do a performance before the game. So technically he will, they will do something, but not at the halftime show. I would, I'm going to say no to that Well, Will either singer drink Pepsi? Ooh, good question. I'm going to say not. We're talking during the show, right? So I'm yes. I'm going to say no during the show. When no no singer will drink Pepsi. Not during well, the show. Well, no. Enrique Iglesias make an appearance on. Stage. I'm almost counting on him too. I'm almost counting on it. Yeah. Like he's the only he's the only Hispanic person that hasn't been mentioned for anything. I'm almost counting on him to do something. I mentioned Pitbull. Pitbull's going to do something before the game. Will Gerard Peake be shown during the halftime show? I will say yes to that. I'll say yes to that, too. Will reliable Super Bowl halftime performer Gloria Estefan make an appearance on the stage? I'm banking on it. That could could be done considering it's Miami, too. I I think that should be happening. Will Jay-Z be shown during the halftime show? Because Jay-Z put this together, so I'd imagine... Ooh. Jay-Z did put this together. Jay-Z was in charge, is in charge of this halftime show, so... I can see I can see Jay being involved in some way, yes. Yes. Will Ricky Martin make an appearance on stage? Yes! I'm almost, I'm I'm almost, almost counting on it, too. 
I'm almost, I'm, I think it's more likely Iglesias is on than Ricky Martin, but I'm almost telling Ricky Martin to, get, to jump in on this. Will Pitbull make an I'm disappointed Pitbull wasn't initially on this. Pitbull's going to be, as I mentioned, on the pregame stuff. But I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm still going to say yes. I think Mr. Worldwide will be there. I think Mr. Worldwide will be there, too. Will Will Smith make an appearance on stage? It would make sense considering Bad Boys 3 is coming out soon, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, too. Only, only, the only way he shows up is to do Welcome to Miami. But I think that, but I'm going to say no to that. Will General Lopez and Shakira both sing in Spanish? Yes. Uh, yes. Will, will there be a nipple gate? I'm gonna say no. No. <laughs> I'm gonna, as much as like a lot of the male population and maybe even some of the female population, it's 2020 after all, is going to uh, would we'll love to see that happen. I'm going to say no. I think they'll keep it PG. Your pick for Super Bowl. I've been struggling with this over the last ten days of who my Super Bowl pick was going to be uh, for this. Is game. that minus one now? It's been pretty much hovering around that pretty much all week. Kansas one, City, one and a half. Now, the way I'm going to do this, it's been, okay, quarterback, obviously quarterback is Kansas City. Running back, I'm going to go with the Niners depth. Receiver depth, I'm going to go, I'm going to do the tight end separately. Receiver depth is obviously Kansas City. Tight ends, I think are as even as it gets. I think these are the two best tight ends in the game between Kittle and Kelsey. I'll go Kittle because Kittle's more of a all-around, all well-rounded. Offensive lines, both are productive. I'm probably I'll going, go San Francisco. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably go Niners too. I'll probably go Niners there. D-line, I'm going to, hmm, D-line's tough because the Niners have so much depth. The Niners have so much depth. I'm going to go Niners, Niners and D-line. I'll go Niners in the linebacking core too. I will go Niners secondary as well. So Niners sweep the defense. And then um, let's see. Kicking game. Kicking game, I will go Chiefs after field goal kicking. Punting game, I will probably go. Actually, the kicking game, I'm sorry. I'm going to go Niners in the kicking game. I will go. Punting, go Chiefs. Punting is going to go Chiefs. Return game is going to be Chiefs as well. And then coaching, I will go Chiefs. Ooh, all this in play. Normally, when it comes to best offense, we're I'm best going defense. 49ers. Mm. I'm going 49ers over. I don't think the Niners can get to a shootout. I mean, I guess the Niners went to New Orleans and they beat New Orleans in a shootout. So that they're capable, they can get into a shootout. I'm going to go Chiefs. This is hard. This Super Bowl is hard to pick. My mind is thinking 49ers, my heart's thinking Chiefs. Because people, I, I get it. A lot of people in Philadelphia are saying it's time for Andy to get one. I know Andy, I know Angelo Cotati's not, but I think a lot of people are saying it's time for Andy to get one. Who's get saying? Who's, who's not thinking that? Oh, WIP did a, a whole day, Andy Reid Appreciation Day, and I think they're still doing it. They did Andy Reid Appreciation Day, and the first show, obviously, on every day is Angelo Cotati's. Cotati's been anti Andy Reid pretty much since Super Bowl 39. And how uh, they miss Ali badly. He mismanaged that. What a it, whiner! What a he, whiner! Angel he's been anti-Reed ever since. He's been anti-Reed ever since, and has been kind of pinning the whole domestic abuse situations that he's uh, the, the the people who've been involved off the field with all the field drama 
Fred Clark, Tyreek Hill, who have been in off the field drama and kind of using that as a crutch as well. With, uh, is, is beef with uh, towards Andy Reid. His show was the only one to really not celebrate Andy Reid and kind of give him the props he deserves as the most consistently good Eagles coach they've ever had. And I think it's time for Reid to get one. I think, honestly, in, in a shootout, the way Kansas City's played these playoffs where they've been not unstoppable since, since, they, since they've started, I'm going to go Chiefs. It's going to be a good game. I think it'll be played at Kansas City's pace. I'm going to go 34-28 Kansas City. Yeah. My non-QB MVP, since, it's, since um, like picking Pat Mahomes, it's going to be way too easy. My non-QB MVP is Travis Kelsey. My MVP is going to be Kettle. Okay. No, so we have tight ends as MVPs. Yes. Twitter.com slash DJDKooks. This is where you can find him. Is uh, <clears throat> Twitter.com slash BeastMike is where you can find me. Obviously, I'll be tweeting about the uh, Super Bowl and uh, all the good stuff that's going to involve that. And I, we're going to talk about the commercials, I'm sure. All right, what company has the best commercials? What, what company? Who you got for the best commercials? Probably Budweiser. Well, what, usually the ones, the go-tos are Budweiser and or, Frito, and or the Frito-Lay Corporation. Uh, usually those are the two go-to companies. Budweiser already the- released their commercial. I didn't see Budweiser. I'm I'm trying to stay away from Super Bowl commercials. I'd rather see them as they happen. They've been pretty lackluster the last couple of years, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't this. really watch for the commercials. I watch for the game. Right. They've been pretty lackluster the last couple of years, to tell you to tell the truth. I hope they come up with some good ones. This, I hope the companies come up with good ones this year. I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure how much they. I'm sure it's gonna cost a, a cool million and a half for the 30 second spots. Something like that. That's that's pretty much the go. That's what the going rate's been the last couple years. Is, is a milli plus. How much? I'm gonna I'm gonna see how much for a Super Bowl. It's thirty second Super Bowl spot. It's probably what you're looking for. Two four point five million dollars. Woo! The cost had reached five point six. Million dollars in 2020 for a 30 second spot. We're talking 4.5. NFL making serious cake. So we're talking okay, that's probably a good let's say 40. Let's say 40 ads. Let's say that's probably a good 40. No, it's 5.6 this year. Oh, 5.6. Oh, 5.6 million. Yep. Okay, so 5.6 million. And I'll say by a good, let's say, 45 to 50. We'll say 50 ads. $280 million. That's $280 million that end of the NFL. If they, if they run 50 ads, that's $280 million NFL is going to make based off that alone. Plus the gate. Plus the gate. Right, plus the TV, plus the, the money they'll get from TV, from from the 110 million people that are going to watch this game worldwide. <laughs> NFL's going to make a serious killing off this game. Yes. So we're probably talking a good half million dollars. The NFL's probably going to make off this game. I'm going to say a cool half million, at least a cool half million. Half billion. Half billion, I should say. A, a cool half billion, I should say. They they, they go make off this game. A cool half a billion. 
Okay, I guess another prop bet I'll just kind of subliminally add here before before we sign off. How early in the game are we until we see a bad call? Are we going first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, or fourth? The first bad call of the game. First quarter. (laughs) First quarter. I'll give it the second quarter. But I understand why you'd say the first. I'm almost expecting expecting a bad call to be early. But I think it'll be the second quarter. Um, Yeah. So I'll go second quarter. But I say 49ers, he says Chiefs. Yep. For next week, I am DJ D. Kooks. He's Beast Mike. And we'll take it home, baby.